As always, we are grateful for all the musical gifts the Lord has provided our congregation with and for those who share it. So thank you, ladies, and, and all who help lead us in worship. Let's pray as we prepare to hear God's word this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you for working things out in each of our lives that we are, that we are here. Thank you for giving us the Bible, for giving us your word, and for providing us with this opportunity to listen to it. And Lord, we ask that you work through your spirit to speak to each and every one of us this morning. Help us to hear your word clearly, and we pray that through this sermon and through your spirit that you apply your word to each one of us this very day. Lord, if we are resistant, we ask that you open us up to you. If we are scared, help us to find comfort in you. If we are complacent, shake us loose and help us to recognize our need for you. If we are deeply grounded in you, then help us to rejoice that you are our life and our light. Amen. So last week, Pastor Mack preached on Psalm 22, and he, he started out by saying that he wasn't exactly, I forget the exact words, but it, he wasn't exactly in the mood to preach Psalm 22 on a beautiful summer Sunday, because that's a little bit of a, a darker psalm in some respects. And this week, I had to wrestle with a little bit of the same thing with Psalm 27, because Psalm 27, well, on the one hand, it's a psalm of great confidence and rejoicing in the Lord, and on the other hand, it's a psalm that takes us to some really dark, dark places. And so on this, on this summer week, when things were really pretty good, I was on vacation with Laura's family last week. I'm leaving for three weeks of time away coming up. We're going to be spending some time with, with Laura's family, celebrating her grandpa's 90th birthday, spending some time with my family. I'm going on a pastor's retreat in the mountains and then doing some prep for next year. So this has been a really good, relaxed week. And yet it's also, it's also a week where we have heard some heard some hard things about different people's health where, where there are these realities that life is always difficult. And so we, we come today perhaps with joy, perhaps with fear, perhaps with excitement, perhaps out of trouble, but we come to hear God's words. So let's together listen to God's word in Psalm 27 now, and hopefully this speaks to you however and wherever you have come from this morning. Hear now the word of the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. 
My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. So one of my favorite comments, Psalms commentaries by a guy called Jerry Wilson, and, and in his text, in his uh, commentary on Psalm 27, he shares this story of growing up, and we're going to call him Little Jerry. And little Jerry grew up on a farm way, way out in the middle of nowhere, and this was quite a number of decades ago. He's an older scholar, and so it was, it was dark at night. They had electricity, but there was not a lot of light. And with some regularity, after darkness had fallen, one of his parents or the other, usually his father, would ask Jerry to run the 50 yards out to the barn and, and do some little chore, or bring some little thing, or do just some kind of errand out there. And Jerry is scared to death of the dark. And it is dark out there. And if you have ever been, there is something about barns at night. They are always scary places. There's all kinds of equipment. There's always messes. If, if there's animals, they seem to make strange sounds at night. Barns are scary places, especially if you're kind of a little person. And so whenever his father or mother asks him to run out to the barn, Jerry tries to put it off or tries to make excuses or, or tries to trick one of his siblings into going or tries to get his dad to just go for him. But sometimes he has to go out there. And so he steals himself up, and then he runs as fast as he can across the farmyard into the barn and does everything as fast as he can, and then runs back home, and he is scared the whole time because you never know what's out there in the dark, in the barn, or the fire. You never know. Now, was Jerry really in any danger? Probably not. And if anything, his fear probably made him more prone to running into things or tripping or falling, but, but he lives with that, that sense of fear of the dark and what's out there. And could he be really sure that there was nothing to fear? Now we grow up and we at least sometimes put some of those fears aside, but, but I think some of us are probably still scared of the dark. And if we're not scared of the dark, then there's something else in our lives that, that I think we're probably scared of. There's a, an author who, whose name I forget who, who talked about how how all of us live our lives with this perpetual awareness of the rumble of panic underneath everything. We live our lives with, with the rumble of panic underneath everything. We, we often feel like life is just not quite stable and like things could fall apart and we don't know what would happen. And maybe for you, there are certain physical spaces, that old barn or, or some other place that you don't want to go to because it scares you. And more likely, it's not a physical place, but it's some kind of emotional or mental space, some, some thing with your health that you just don't even think about because you're too scared about it. Or some person you avoid because it, they bring up too many bad memories. Or, or some situation you do your best to stay out of because it is just too painful and too scary, and you're worried that it will break you apart if you go there. And our current cultural atmosphere really is, is full of fear. 
No matter where you are on the cultural or or political spectrum, it seems like everyone is just scared these days. Scared of each other, scared of what could happen, just, just scared. We've all got our fears. What do we do with that? What do we do with our fears? And Psalm 27 gives us gives us a map. It isn't an exhaustive map or the only way to do it, but Psalm 27 gives us, a, gives us a map for how to deal with our fears as people of faith. You know, a number of years ago, it was really trendy to, to put all the psalms in little boxes and say, well, this psalm is this type of psalm, and this psalm is that type of psalm, and, and that type is... The, and, and that's not always very helpful, but, but I think it's helpful in this case that, by and large, scholars have categorized this psalm as a psalm of confidence, this is a psalm where David, and as far as we know, David wrote it. Not 100% sure, but, but we think so. David was expressing confidence in the Lord. Things, things are good. But then scholars say, mixed in with that, there is this, there is this real sense of plea and petition and, and sense of fear. Confidence and fear are just all mixed through this psalm. And this psalm gives us a map of how to navigate those two things, to be real about our fears, but also really grounded in our confidence in the Lord. So let's walk through the psalm and see the guidance it gives us. The the first bit, the first three verses here really point us to being confident in the Lord in the midst of difficult circumstances. It's got language like, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Although the wicked advance against me, although an army besiege me, although I be besieged, the war break out against me, I will be confident in the Lord. And we don't know the exact circumstances here, but again, we're pretty sure David wrote this psalm. And his life, well, it had some real high points, but years and decades of David's life were were armies chasing him, being besieged, wars breaking out against him. He was a faithful servant of King Saul, and yet King Saul turned on him and spent years trying to chase him down and kill him. He was a good king in many respects, one of Israel's best kings, but he had to fight perpetual wars. His own son led a rebellion against him, and and many of his other sons caused David endless headaches. He lived the life that he is describing here of people coming after him. And yet in this psalm, we see an expression of real confidence in in the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Even when life seems pretty dark, this psalm comes back and says, but still you are my light and my life. You know, and you know, with, with a lot of Bible passages, there is this problem that we can be kind of Christian cliche with them. We can say, oh, yes, I have confidence in the Lord, and isn't that nice? And when life is easy and nice, it's easy to say these things and not mean them, but... But what if we actually, what if we actually lived this way? Let me invite you to a mental exercise, and, and this may be easier or harder for you. There's, there's always in every church service people in all kinds of places. Some of us come, and, and we feel like we're on the edge, and we can hardly believe, and we have no real confidence in the Lord. At least we feel no confidence in Him, but we come anyway. And some of us, life is good, and we're just kind of, yeah, we're just here. It's good. Things are all right. Some of us are are really finding that the Lord is carrying us through some really difficult circumstances, and we are, we are feeling really rooted in Him. And, and then some of us come on different places. We all come with all kinds of different backgrounds. 
But I want to invite you, wherever you're coming from, to engage in this mental exercise. What would it be like for you to really express and just live out being fully confident in the Lord? What if it was really true? What if it was really true that the Lord was your light and your life so that you were not afraid of anything? What if it was really true that the Lord was so much your stronghold that you felt like nothing in this life would shake you? And I want to invite you not to have this just be a mental exercise right now, but to carry that into the week and to, and to reflect on what it would look like and what could be real if you just kept telling yourself, no, the Lord is my life and my light, and I am fully confident in Him. How would that change your life? How would that change who you are? How would that even change your circumstances? So I want to invite you to that, but I also want to want to immediately recognize that there is a problem with that. And the problem is that, that often we are not confident in the Lord. And often we can't just talk ourselves into that. I think it's a lot, there's a lot of value to going through that, that mental exercise, that mind game of what if I was really confident in the Lord, but what about those times when you can't be? What about those times when it just isn't working? Then what do you do? Do you just gut it out? Do you just tell yourself, self, be confident in the Lord. I don't care about you. Just do it. Can you do that? Well, the psalm goes on, and it gives us a place to go when, when maybe we're struggling to be confident in the Lord. And verses 4 to 6 of the psalm invite us, invite us to seek the face of the Lord. We could summarize verses 4 to 6 by saying, seek to dwell before the face of God. And I think one of, the, one of the points there is don't just brute force your way and don't pretend to be confident in the Lord, but instead when you don't feel confident, just look to the Lord. And you know, there's some, there's some different ways we might go wrong with this. There is, there is ways that sometimes we try to be confident, and, and instead of focusing on the Lord, we focus on our troubles, and we get all wrapped up, and oh, this is so hard and so terrible, and I don't see how God could work in this, and all I can do is think about the thing in front of me. And there's another challenge that, that maybe we get so focused on ourselves, and, and I have to work myself up, and I have to really, oh, I just can't, but I have to, but I can't, but I have to, and we get all focused on, our, on ourselves and our own efforts. And you know, there's even another problem that we might use God as a means instead of an end and, and go to God to fix our problems when we feel afraid instead of going to God for God himself. But what we need ultimately is God himself. You know, little, little Jerry, when he was going out, to the, going out to the farmyard, going out to the barn, he could have, well, he did spend all of his energy thinking about, oh, all the things that could be out there and all the things that could go wrong, and wouldn't it be terrible if... And maybe he could have spent his time building himself up and saying, okay, I can do this, I can do this, I can run fast, I can run fast, I can do it. Neither of those were going to help him a lot. But what if he'd gone to his dad and say, hey, dad, can, can you help a guy out with a flashlight? Or dad, can you, can you just come along with me? What we need when life is dark is light. And God is the ultimate source of light for us. 
and nothing else, nothing else that we can nothing else that we can find in this life, nothing else that we can summon from within ourselves is actually going to address our fears or, or fix the darkness that is all around us and that is within us. What we need is the light of the Lord. And I think that's where the psalmist wants to get us here. He, he wants us to get a sense that what we really, really need, what we need most deeply of all is to see the face of God to dwell before him, to be in his presence. And there is a transforming reality there, and, and I think we only get glimpses and tastes of it in this life, but I hope that you have glimpsed, have tasted, have seen something of this, that when we are really able to focus on the beauty and the grace and the love and the power and the truth of the Lord, everything else fades. Everything else becomes, well, I guess it doesn't become less significant, but we recognize its true insignificance relative to belonging to the Lord and being with Him. And so if you are at a point when you are, where you are not feeling very confident in the Lord, the answer is, is not to pay more attention to your problems or, or to try to work yourself up into being more confident. The answer is to try to see the Lord. It's to try to just be more in his presence and let him reassure you. The answer to fear is to pay attention to the Lord. And as we're doing this morning, I think going to the scriptures is really how we best see the light of God. Looking toward this coming year, we're, we're going to probably be spending a lot of time in sermons on the gospel of Mark. So I've been reading through that gospel over and over the last little bit and And as you read through the Gospels and you see the story of Jesus, of God, our light in our life, who took on human nature and walked with us, you see Jesus bringing light to all kinds of difficult places. You see Jesus literally opening the eyes of the blind. You see Jesus coming to people in moral darkness who have lost their way and and giving them a compass and setting them right and not in some angry legalistic way, but, but showing them how God gives deeper life to those who live in his ways. You see Jesus walking across the darkness of a sea in a stormy night and and calming the sea for his disciples so that they don't perish. When we look at the life of Jesus, we see God coming to us in our darkness and saving us. And that is the image that we need to dwell on. Jesus coming to us in our darkness and bringing us life and light. Now, once we have done that, once we have done that, once the psalm brings us to that point, then then it takes us to petitions, to asking for help. So, So the next move here, verses 7 to 12, is asking the Lord for help. And it's significant the psalm moves this way. The psalm begins by by affirming confidence in the Lord. The Lord is our light. And and then it wants us to look to the Lord and to really get focused on Him as the greatest good thing. But then the psalm invites us to bring our needs to the Lord. Our needs are are made less significant maybe if we pay attention to God, but, but then they're real and they matter. And so this psalm invites us not to not to squash our problems not to pretend that there is no darkness, but to bring the light and life of Christ to bear on them. And here, here in verses 7 to 12, the psalmist moves to praying to God more directly. Speaking to himself earlier, now he starts to talk to God, and, 
And he comes and he pleads and he begs. Hear my voice. Be merciful to me. Answer me. Don't hide your face from me. Don't forsake or reject me. This is a psalm of confidence, but it's full of desperate pleas for help. And you know, sometimes our fears aren't real, but, but sometimes they are. This life, this planet is full of darkness, and it is, it is crazy out there. And if you can look back at your life, if you can look at your life right now, if you can look toward what's coming, and you don't have a certain amount of fear, then you either are extraordinarily lucky or you're in denial. Life is hard and life is dark. And all of us, I think, have moments in life where, you know, if you stay at a, if you stay at a new house, somewhere you haven't been before, and you try to walk down the staircase in the dark, and I would be embarrassed to tell you how many times this has happened to me, you're walking down the stairs and you think you're fine, and then you think you're at the bottom of the stairs, and you're not. So you put your foot out, and you fall. And there's that elongated, probably quarter of a second as you're, as you're heading toward the floor, and you think, maybe I can catch myself, and oh, where is all the sharp furniture around here? And I wonder what's going to happen when my head hits that mirror that I think was there. And it's amazing what all you can think in about a quarter second of falling, right? But all of us, I think, have those occasions when we are really objectively falling in the dark. When that health diagnosis or that relationship gone sour or that financial crisis or, 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 and all we can do is, is fall and hope that we can catch ourselves a little bit and hope that we don't bounce off the furniture and, and hope that this doesn't hurt too badly. And the Psalms, a lot of Psalms, Psalm 27 too, invites us at that moment when we are falling and don't know what's coming to go to the Lord and ask him to catch us in the darkness. We celebrated a couple baptisms this morning, and, and one of the things that baptism tells us is that Jesus is there in the darkness. Baptism is a reminder that God's people were brought through the darkness of the Red Sea in the Exodus, that, that they went down, down, down to the depths of the sea and walked through when the Lord was with them. And baptism reminds us that Jesus himself descended into the very deepest darkness, that, that he, went to, he went into hellish darkness and agony beyond what we can conceive. And so as we fall in the dark, he has been there, and he has been there more deeply than we have, and he is there to catch us. So this morning, this morning, if you were in that place, and there are always some people, always some people here, Every Sunday, people who feel like they have missed the last step and they are just falling into the void. And if that is you, then I invite you on the basis of this psalm to call on the Lord and to expect that he will be your light in your life, that he will be your stronghold. Now, we need to, we need to make these pleas after we've looked on the face of God because God does not always fix our problems. He certainly does not work on my timeline. I'm pretty sure he doesn't work on yours either. And he lets us experience a lot of things that we don't understand. I can't tell you the number of hospital visits or, or things like that where I've had to say, I don't, I don't know how God is at work here. But we know that he's at work. 
And one of the realities of the Christian life is that being with the Lord, we, we recognize, we believe, or at least we try to believe that that is worth more than anything else. And so no matter what we lose in this life, no matter what we experience, if we are with Jesus, then we have what we need. We have what we need. And so this psalm comes back to a note of, of confidence at the end. Verses 13 and 14 call us to wait confidently on the Lord. To wait confidently, to be strong and to take heart and to wait on the Lord. And some of that language there is, is an echo of, of Joshua, where probably the most famous line in Joshua is, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And that's what the psalm calls us to, to be strong and to take heart and on that foundation to wait on the Lord. And again, this is not a call to deny the darkness. This is not a call to summon up out of ourselves some, some resources that we know we don't have to pretend that everything is okay, but instead to plant our feet firmly on the rock that is Jesus Christ and then to wait, to wait confidently on the Lord and to endure. I want to uh, tell you a story of, of one of the really in some respects, not so bad, but in terms of my experience of it, one of the worst moments of my life. So we lived in Africa for a number of years, and there was this time that we were coming to the end of a school year, and it had been a tough semester. I mean, some of the students had some real personal and biblical and theological, and it did all kinds of hard things we had to wrestle through. And some of the teachers at the school were really just in a difficult place personally, and we were, we were trying to work through some things and get people on the same page. And, and it was a hard place to live, and it was hot. It had been the hot season. It was 110 out. We didn't have air conditioning. It was just a tough few months. But, but for the summer, we were going we to leave the Bible school. We were going to go to a much nicer place, more in the cities, cooler climate. We were going to visit my parents for a while. So there was going to be air conditioning and there was going to be good food, and there was going to be cold nights, and it was going to be wonderful. But first, we had to drive about 10 hours from, from where we were to, to the place we'd be, and then get on the plane and, and go visit my parents and such. And the road for the first about two and a half, three hours had been paved in about 1970 and not worked on since. So I am not exaggerating when I say that the potholes sometimes were bigger than the road, like the road had disappeared. And where it was there, there were little strips. It was awful, the worst ride ever. And every now and then, there were robbers on the roads. You always had to be looking at the bend and, and seeing if you might need to flip around and take off the other direction. It was awful. So we drive this two and a half hours, and as we're about at the end, about to make the turn onto the better road, Laura says, hey, I can't find some of the paperwork we need. We had the passport folder, but we didn't have all the other immigration and official paperwork that we couldn't travel without. So I pulled over to the side of the road, and this is extreme, but I wanted to die. Like, this is, I can't do this. We have to do another two and a half hours back to get the paperwork, and another two and a half hours back, I'm done. I, so I actually got out of the truck for a minute and just went and stood by the back and, and had an angry little conversation with God about how why couldn't he have helped me to grab both folders? not just the one. Now, objectively, is it all that bad? No, we were fine. But I was done. I was at the end of my rope. And I 
I've had other times in my life where I really was at the end of my rope with things that were not fixable, and I would guess most of you have too. And what do we do with that? What do we do when we cannot face the prospect of starting the truck up and, and going on with the next thing we need to do? What do we do when the journey stretches longer and longer, when, when the army is coming for us, when the war has started, when our enemies are overtaking us and there does not seem to be anything we can do? What do we do? Well, what we do, and this is not Christian cliche, this is at the end of the road when there is nothing left to do, what do you do? And what you do is you turn to the Lord and you wait for Him. And we as a Christian community, we going all the way back to David, going all the way back to the time of the Bible and coming to this very morning, we wait and we wait together. And we remind ourselves that the Lord does care for us. We remind ourselves that even though we might feel like we are falling into the void, that the Lord is our light and our life, that He is our salvation and our stronghold. And so we do not need to fear. Because the most important thing, because our very life cannot be taken away from us, because our life is kept safe in Jesus Christ. If you are in a good season this morning, then I invite you to hear this not as just another nice, oh yeah, of course you have to say that, but, but as a real reminder that when life gets dark, you still have hope. And if you are falling into the void this morning, then, then I invite you to grab hold of Jesus Christ and to trust and to know that he will grab hold of you. And if you are just in a dry and waiting season, then I invite you to wait and to wait confidently for the Lord. And the story ends well. That particular day, we drove all the way back and all the way the rest of the way and all the way hour after hour, mile after mile. And then, you know, we, we landed at this wonderful, wonderful hotel owned by, owned by a very devout Christian family. And they actually named it Peniel, the face of God. So we ended up in the face of God that evening. And there was air conditioning people. There was a swimming pool. There was a pizza place next door. Life was good. Now, is that trivial? Oh, yes. But God is good. And even when our journeys are long and hard, at the end, if we belong to Jesus, we will come before the face of God and, and all will be well. He will be our life and our light, our stronghold. The Lord is our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? The Lord is the stronghold of our life. Of whom shall we be afraid? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the life and the light that you give us. We are grateful that Jesus walked through the darkest of nights to be our light. Father, we are grateful for all the good things and all the good times that you give us in our lives. And, and we are grateful that for so many of us, the consistent themes of our lives are our joy and gratitude. And yet, Lord, we come to you in a world that is full of bar brokenness, that is full of darkness, that is full of enemies and, and wars and just so much trouble. And so, Lord, we ask today that you renew our vision of you. Help us to appreciate your glory. 
and help us to experience your presence. Lord, enable us to trust and to wait confidently on you. We pray this in the name of Jesus and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.